All right, guys, welcome to Property Profits Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. And, you know, a lot of times people, when they're doing real estate, they're having to choose between one or the other. And, and a lot of times it's that we have to keep that job for whatever reason, mortgage bills. And when you're getting started, you might have to balance too. But, you know, there's an old adage of burning the boats. And uh, today on the show, we've got Kayla Pennington, and she's going to tell us a little bit about how she gave up the high paying job with a W2 to get into real estate. And uh, interestingly, before the call, she told me she got the money. So Kayla, <laughs> how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a busy day at the office. So um, yeah, good. tell us, let's start with, with that. You, you know, on the original intake form, I'm looking at it and you're saying, I'm trying to raise money and I'm reading through it. Mm -hmm. However, we get on the call and you're like, I got it. So tell me about, mm -hmm. tell everyone about that experience of raising the capital for that deal. Sure. So one of the best pieces of advice that I got early on when I started investing in real estate was tell anybody and everybody what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, chronicle it on Instagram, even if you don't have a huge following, you know, make a Facebook page, let family and friends know, tell family and friends to tell family and friends. And so that's really what I did. I just started chronicling, you know, on stories, hey, here's what I'm doing. I would talk about the really good stuff. And then also the bad stuff, you know, contractor issues, people not showing up, um, you know, replacing an HVAC day one. So all, all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And then some people started messaging me and saying, Hey, what are you doing? I, you, I, you quit your job. And I was at a career for 15 years. So people all of a sudden were like, wait, why did you leave? And what are you doing now? So it was just such a shift, I think, to people that weren't in my close circle. Mm -hmm. And so it just opened up a lot of conversations to talk about real estate and what I wanted to do. And then honestly, naturally, a lot of people started saying, well, if you ever want to, you know, need you know, money, let me know. And this is about eight or nine months ago when somebody said that to me. And I was like, you know what, I definitely will. But I want to do um, some of these on my own at first. And I had been since 2015. So a few months ago, I just kind of posted on Instagram, would anybody be interested in partnering with me? Um, mm -hmm. Just not equity partnership, but as private money lenders. Um, so I can do really fun house projects, make ugly houses pretty. Um, mm -hmm. And I had bought one on my own with a partner and we were chronicling that flip. We truly tore the house down to the joists. And so we, it was basically, it was a new build. And so wow. people were like really like involved in this and it was a very big deal, very overwhelming to kind of start from scratch. And so people got really invested in that. And so I had probably 10 or 15 people immediately respond to me and say, Hey, I would give you money or, Hey, I've got money sitting in savings or, Hey, we sold our house and we have this extra cash. You know, we definitely be interested. So that's kind of where it started. Then we found the house and we thought, you know what? Um, here's an off market deal. We want to buy this all in cash. It's this minor mm -hmm. rehab. And so this would be a good, less risk, I think, than what we, what we were doing on our own, which was a total flip from the bottom up. And so I put it back on Instagram and said, Hey, for those of you who reached out, I texted and emailed the ones who had originally said, ended up getting about 13 people. Mm -hmm. Um, we were full, like overfunded. So I had to kind of pick and choose, which was hard. And then all, and then communicate to those, Hey, I'm going to be doing many more projects. I still want your money. Don't spend it. Um, mm -hmm. I'll be in touch with you soon. So I sent the promissory notes yesterday and this morning. So I have um, most of them signed. I think I'm waiting on like one or two and then we close on November 14th and we'll start the renovation project. Hopefully the week after that. 
Um, one thing that that came to mind, if if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind me uh, giving just my two cents on that, sure. if you're having an abundance of money, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware that you can make money on that money and then raise more money. So mm-hmm. you know, if you can't use it, there's an other investors likely in your marketplace that you can mark up or fee out that money and still deploy yeah. it for your clients if you want to make sure that that money's deployed because you may not have another deal. They may put it into another deal. But you can monetize um, periods of abundance of capital by putting it into deals with people you trust. With yeah, so that, that trust. would be the key for me. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to just like yeah. put, put, throw it out there and be like, oh, now the money never comes back. So uh, yeah. I know an investor who does that and, you know, he does uh, some minor, I guess you'd call it referral lending. So he's making money okay. on other people's money that he's raised, but can't necessarily capitalize in this moment. So that's interesting um, that for people interesting. listening at home. What market are you? Uh, what market are you participating in right now? Sure. So um, mostly Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, my primary residence is Nashville, Tennessee, um, and I do have property there. But with the rising rates and just yeah. the market, I mean, Louisville is. Um, I'm from Kentucky originally, not far from here, so I know the mm-hmm. market really well. And the prices are just, I mean, goodness, less than half of the Nashville market. So. Yeah. Um, it's been really great to be able to buy, um, I think we bought five properties since January here and I met a business partner here. So we've done some joint properties together. So it's just kind of worked out to the purchase in in Louisville. Yeah. People got to, people definitely have to live somewhere, right? You can't, not everyone can live in the big cities or do necessarily they want to. So, um, did you get started in Nashville? Is that where you bought your first property? Yeah. So I bought my primary house there in 2014 and I ended up actually Airbnb being that for in 2015 for three years. This was kind of before house hacking was really talked mm-hmm. about or before Airbnb blew up in Nashville. It was right on that cusp. There was like no rules. I literally could just like sign a paper and the yeah. fire marshal came and made sure I had smoke detectors and bam, next thing you know, I had a permit. Um, and it wasn't saturated. And I was like, wow, this is really lucrative. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, the same year I bought a, um, a long-term rent rental mm-hmm. and I rented that for four years, ended up renovating that, um, selling it, didn't really plan on selling it, had kind of an all cash offer at a number that I threw out and they agreed to it. And we made about six figures on that. So it was hard at that time wow, to turn down. Thank yeah. you. So I was like, Hey, I can do this. And I had my W2 at the time. So it, it didn't feel risky really. Um, and that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Started like you got a taste of what it could be and you're looking at your W2 and you're thinking, well, if I gave myself the same number of hours in a week, what could I do? You know, that's mm-hmm. the real moment that a lot of people look at is it's interesting how people will work so hard for somebody else, but when given the opportunity to work for themselves, suddenly 40 hours a week is too much. So as long as yeah. you, you know, grind it out and stay consistent, that's really like the trade. So what ultimately that deal helped you like kind of nudge it, but you must've been thinking about that already as you've been in real estate and the Airbnb money coming in and you're like, mm-hmm. You know, what was the thought as you approached, um, you know, leaving your job? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who were surprised, especially after you said, forgive me, was it 11 years or 15 years? Uh, it was 15, 15 total, but 13 at that company. There you go. So yep. 13 years in, in anything and people are like, oh, why? Yep. So good question. When I first got into real estate, this Airbnb, the Airbnb thing was like a total accident. I was like, oh, oh. I've always liked real estate. 
like Airbnb is not really blown up here yet. Like, why can't we just like do it here? So mm -hmm. that was a total accident. And then I thought, you know, this is going really well. I love real estate. My mom and I always looked at properties growing up and I thought this is so fun, but I never really thought about quitting my W2 at the time. I still loved my job mm -hmm. and um, I had gotten promoted right around the time that I bought that first long-term rent rental. And my plan was to buy one property a year. Like that was it. I could easily do that with the commission and just buy one, do long-term rent. Nashville has crazy appreciation rates. And so I thought mm -hmm. if I just do one a year, oh my goodness, you know, after 10 years, I'll, I'll be set. Um, well, I got a promotion right around that time and it was a very stressful promotion. Um, there's a lot of politics involved in that, that I won't bore you with. And so it consumed my life and mm. I don't really have a lot of regrets. But one of the things that I wish I would have done was stuck to my real estate plan while I was still at the W2, because then I would have had multiple properties when I left and that wasn't the case. So what made me leave truly was, um, you know, you don't quit jobs, you quit leaders. And that's mm -hmm. true. In my case, yeah. um, we had very toxic leadership and, um, I was very close with our executive team and I had talked to them about it and was very clear and very open about what I, what I saw and what I witnessed and how I felt and their perspective was very different. Um, and yeah. so I have mad respect for, for those folks. Um, but the, the management between them and me, I just, I couldn't get on board with. Um, and I felt like to your point, I was working for someone else's dream and was climbing that corporate ladder, was making more money than I ever thought I would ever make. Um, I almost doubled my income after that promotion. And so it was the golden handcuffs and it was so difficult to leave. Yeah. And I had freedom and I worked remotely. And that's what's crazy. It's like I, I had all the freedom. I, I wasn't micromanaged. It was just such a toxic, negative environment. And my success became a negative in the company. And it was like, hey, now you're making too much money we want to give you more responsibility and we want to cut your pay ultimately in half. And wow. so every year they started cutting my pay, cutting my pay. And I kept performing and making more money. And then they were dr drastically cutting the pay, drastically cutting the pay. And I thought to myself, I want to be, I wanted a company that rewards high performers and is mm -hmm. happy for my success um, or work for myself where I can dictate, you know, my dreams and, and what I care about. And so ultimately, yeah, I just didn't really have a, plan of quitting. I just went to lunch with the president of our company. We had a very difficult conversation and I just like spouted out over lunch. I I'm quitting. I've got to go. And he was mm -hmm. like, no, no, Please think about it. Go. He was like, think we'll, about we'll it till Monday. Everything. Yeah. He's like, he's like, give yourself five days. And I said, honestly, I have given this 18 months. And if I don't leave now, then I probably never will. And the golden handcuffs will forever like strangle me. So that was it. I quit that day and they asked me to stay for 60 days, which I, I gladly did and never looked back. And that was, uh, the end of July of 2021. Yeah. Cause there's a, something interesting that you said was I want to work in an environment that, uh, admires high performance and that winning and, and, and doing it a good job is encouraged. And I was thinking, well, mm -hmm. that sounds a lot like real estate investors because once you go out there you're yeah. kind of surrounded like the peers in your business you get to know you know you go to see a property that's private with a wholesaler and up oh, there's so 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 and so and you're standing around and like mm -hmm. who's gonna buy this thing so yeah uh, i i hope that uh you're getting that feeling because that is an, an important part of 
you know, pursuing something and especially someone who's, who's a high achiever, you got to, it's nice to get a pat on the back instead of like a cut in pay. So yeah, um, exactly. You, ra- you raised some capital mm-hmm. and you've been, you've been blessed to get an abundance of it. The, it sounds like you're going to be able to fund most of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. What, what is the challenge now? It sounds like everything is going relatively good. I think the challenge, well, to your point of being a high achiever, you always want to do more. Um, mm-hmm. So not having shiny object syndrome and making sure I'm staying on task. Yeah. Um, and then making sure I can pay back my private lenders. I think that's always a stress. Um, you know, I don't want to ever take money from people and, and not be able to repay it. So mm-hmm. making sure that we do a good job. So really right now, um, it's getting bids from contractors next week. That's our plan. We really want to try to stick to just one contractor for most of the project. If we can do it, we've piecemealed before and it's not really gone as great as we would have liked and ended up not really saving money. So we really mm-hmm. want to try to find the right contractor for this project who we can trust, who shows up. Um, so that's going to be kind of, I think the next tackle to have, I don't, I wouldn't say that I have somebody off the top of my head here that I feel like I totally trust that would, that would do the job. So that's going mm-hmm. to be uh, expanding that network is going to be very key for me to be able to scale as well. Um, and then finding the next deal. I think that's always, um, you know, the battle in this market, finding the next deal, finding the next off market, finding a creative financing deal, a sub to a wrap um, where we can bring cash to the table and private lenders and be able to, help people, right? Help them get interest every month and so that work, have their money work for them while they're too busy and mm-hmm. being able to kind of benefit and, and bless other people while we're able to grow and scale. So those are probably the two main things that I'm focused on moving forward. Yeah. Being a steward of the money, making sure that it gets deployed and earns interest and gets returned. So That's right. um, are you ex- are planning to expand outside of your market? Are you going to increase your your marketing efforts um you know how do you plan to kind of get over some of those challenges that you mentioned sure so i I would like to purchase in nashville um, if not like more of the outskirts of nashville Mm -hmm. because uh, the prices there are so expensive the suburbs are actually um very pricey now as well as people start moving out so really um i'm somewhat working on a wrap mortgage creative financing deal which um has been one of my goals as well is to do something creative creatively that I haven't got to do yet. Um, so yes, I would like to expand there. I am open to other markets hundred percent, but because I don't have a full-time job because, um, this is my career, I really want to be as hands on as possible right now, because I have the luxury of time that a lot of people who have their W2s don't yeah. have. So I, for me, and I'm just, I'm someone who learns by doing like, that is just my personality. I don't, I can't read about it. I can't like listen up to a podcast. I have to like just jump in and do it. And so for me, I really want to be in the market or close enough to drive to the market to where I can be hands-on for now. I don't think that's going to be my forever strategy, but Mm -hmm. definitely right now, because I do have the time um, and I I can dedicate pretty much every hour in the day to to doing that. does that yeah, mean, uh, you know, putting on the painters and getting in there and painting the thing? Or do you mean like staying on top of the painters, like making sure that they yeah, staying, the staying on top of the project, really being the project manager. Um, mm-hmm. My partner is a chiropractor and um, she's she's starting her own business and she's, um, you know, really building that up as well. So while she's definitely available, um, you know, she does have something else 
and I don't. Yeah, so I, like as much the, as I can be the manager, the general manager on site when you have to be there taking those phone calls. Um, when I was thinking about that in particular, I was thinking, where, where did you get your education or what, what books and things like that? Like, how did you learn what you know so far? Or has that just been an, an experience thing? Yeah. I mean, I love the quote experience is the best of teachers. And do you learn my God, do you learn because it's so true. Mm -hmm. um, so when I started out in 15 and 14, I mean, that was a hundred percent just jumping in and saying, I got to risk it. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I've stayed in the Airbnb before. So like, surely I, mm -hmm. I can host one. <laughs> I think that was um, kind of my mentality was like, I can do anything. So that was where that started. Now that I'm trying to grow and scale, I think having a business partner has been awesome. Just she's mm -hmm. done um, some different things that I've done that we, I think, have um, complement each other well. I joined um, a group uh, from Instagram, made some in Instagram friends, the Wire community. So I went to a retreat in March and met a ton of other investors, which is, which is actually how I got introduced to my current partner here in Louisville. Um, went to BPCon last week, the Bigger Pockets Conference. Um, so yeah, listened to lots of podcasts, um, some audiobooks, uh, and talked to a lot of people. And then, like I said, I'm just someone who has to jump in and learn um, and be hands-on and do. And I think when you, with so much social media and so many books and so many podcasts and so many influencers mm -hmm. out there, it can be analysis paralysis. It can be comparison. It can be actually really toxic for growth. And so for me, I've had to balance, you know, how much do I want to learn from other people, get a mentor, you know, there is benefit in all of those things, but then how much is it just making action and doing, right. and I'm trying to find the right balance for me, um, in doing both of those things. How much do you feel like, it sounds like networking has been a big key. You know, when you tell the story, I'm thinking, okay, she went here, met this person, went here, met mm -hmm. this person podcasting in a way like today we're 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 talking here and we're networking to some degree but how much of your w2 career has helped you really lay that groundwork within the networking because we were talking a little bit before the call but um if you care to tell people what industry you were in but that's sure. that's up to you go ahead yeah sure so i was in healthcare technology software sales so I worked for um, the largest education company, um, healthcare education company. So we trained nurses and doctors. So I was in front of clients three times a week on site, worked with a lot of doctors, a lot of clinicians and a lot of executives, you know, high level people and organizations. And a big part of sales is networking, right? It's getting yeah. people to trust you. It's getting people, telling people the hard no's telling them when it's actually not a right move to buy something, when it is a right move to buy something, challenging preconceived notions, um, a lot of contract negotiation. I mean, I was asking for eight and $10 million contracts back then. So mm -hmm. the raising money for me isn't as scary in the sense of that's a lot of what my career was, is I asked people for money and told them to trust me with their money for years. Now, granted, was I personally putting it in my bank account and spending it? No, but I was there for years after they bought the product and had to make sure they were integrated and they were affecting their bottom line and they were saving them money. And if I couldn't show those RRIs, I mean, they were going to be ticked at me. So it wasn't just like a small thing. It was a big, a big thing. So I think my sales career and the confidence I had in public speaking and in negotiation and writing contracts 
and truly just navigating major healthcare organizations and having to get people from all organization, the whole organization mm-hmm. to talk and work together was a big part of what I did. I was almost like a li- an external liaison for people to talk internally. And I think that's a big part of what networking is and a big part of what real estate is, especially as you try to scale. So I think it was everything. I don't think I'd be anywhere where I am or as confident as I was to, to jump ship if I hadn't had that job. Yeah. It's like the, the human nature business. You, you can take sales everywhere. So yeah, uh, I, I feel like it works really well in real estate as, you know, it's, it is the confidence that people are attracted to because if they were confident, they'd probably be investing their own money. Exactly. So we have to be, we have to kind of lead them through that, that thing. So with, with where you're at now, where do you see your business going? Um, and your, and your capital raising going, let's say over the next five years, where do you want it to go? Sure. Well, I'd love to raise millions. Honestly, I'd love to find the deals to, to need to raise millions. Um, truthfully, um, I've done a little bit of midterm rental, which I absolutely love. I've done long-term Airbnb and flips. So I've kind of done a little bit of everything. Um, so right now we're working on, we're under contract for three new properties. Uh, two will be long-term rent, um, possibly midterm. And then one will be a minor rehab with Airbnb, but it's a commercial space. So I'm so excited because, uh, it was zoned commercially, excuse me. So we have endless opportunities here and we have some really cool things. Um, so I think eventually where my capital raising, I want to come to play is Louisville has a major affordable housing crisis. And mm-hmm. um, one thing that we would I would love to do is help that. And one way that we have been looking at with an architect is to do a tiny home community. Um, yeah, on this those, are, those are tough to, uh, those, are, those have traditionally been tough to get through to the city. Yep. The city's not super interested in what is kind of like a mobile home park. You yeah, know, it's it's hard to Ours convey are, the message of people in that bureaucracy are typically older. They want foundations. They want, you know, thousand square foot, 800 square feet. And yeah. when you say I'm going to build a something that can be moved away, not all of them, but but smaller homes, 400 mm-hmm. square feet, you know, 350 square feet. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you plan to navigate that conversation when it comes down to it? Sure. All great questions. Not sure yet. You know, I think that um, we would do more of a luxury type of tiny home. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to do, um, you know, for lack of a better word, I don't want to do a crummy community. I don't, it's, it's, it's in a very gentrified area. So I think mm-hmm. it fits where it's at. Um, it fits where people can afford and want to live, but just there's not options right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one idea we have. We also have an idea to just do a multifamily Um or do less homes, but do like a community of like four to six homes on the property and have a courtyard in the middle of the house is kind of a line on each side. And then the front house that we have right now that we're going to renovate, actually rent that out as a commercial space. So it could be a coffee shop or a dog groomer for the people that live on the property. Um, so we have lots of ideas there. Um, it's, it's a great, like long, skinny, beautiful tree line property. So um, the good news is because it's commercial, we have about 500, a list of like 500 things it can be with no permitting. 
So we could add a bed and breakfast. We could do uh, multifamily. We can do lots of really cool things. So I think going through that list as well and seeing what are our true options where we know it'll be approved Mm -hmm. and what makes the best sense for the affordable housing community that we want to serve. And also, you know, financially, it has to make sense for us as well. But either way, the long-term goal for that property, we will need to raise, I would assume, in the millions to do whatever we decide for that property. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, money, I always say that money isn't really the, 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 the lack of supply, it's ideas. So I'm glad that you, you, you know, you're attacking it from the right side, which is ideas mm-hmm. money will follow. So that's great. So now people, they want to, you know, find out more and connect with you, talk about these projects or, you know, get in touch with you. What should they do? Sure. So, um, my Instagram is just Kayla Pennington. Mm-hmm. Um, just my full name. That's where pretty much all my information is. I'm actually going to be putting a Google form on there as well, uh, and a link in my bio so that people can fill out some questions like for private lending if they'd like to get involved or if they have additional questions. So I'm going to be launching that hopefully in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, mostly that's where I'm at. And the most active, I would say, is Instagram at the moment. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh... It looks like the social media has helped you raise some capital and kept you relevant. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's awesome. And it's working out for you. So you can reach her there. And uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Until next, guys, we'll see you on the next episode.